0: I've read from multiple sources that this is, like, based on the Odyssey, and it's supposed to be vaguely reminiscent of, like, Odysseus's journey, combined with, like, I just finished Ulysses, too, which is also based on the Odyssey, and I have to just admit I have no fucking idea what it means to be based on the Odyssey. <laughs> I, de- I definitely don't get
1: If you're going... Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spoiler Warning Podcast. This is review number 560 with a review of The Last Black Man in San Francisco. I'm Christopher Schnasey. And I'm Stephen Miller. And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spoiler Warning Podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week in the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest film releases coming to a theater near you. Um, this week, as we mentioned in our last review of *Rocket Rocketman... Um, This is in limited release right now. I don't know when or if this is coming wide. Mm. (laughs) Um, This seems like a very targeted film. Yeah,
0: I I think it did well enough at Sundance, though. It's going to find its way through the country.
1: Okay. (laughs) Um, But yeah, this is the film The Last Black Man in San Francisco, um, which is a San Francisco-based film. And uh, (laughs) as you might have guessed from the title. Um, But yeah, we are going to be talking about it. Um, We're going to take a listen to the trailer for The Last Black Man in San Francisco. And then we're going to come back and give you a review. We built these ships, dredged these canals. In the San Francisco, they never knew existed. This is our home. You two stick together.
0: I always come back to the old house. What if it's empty?
1: What if we just peeked inside? We could throw parties. You can put on one of your plays. We could yell. (laughs) What is this house? Our house. That's not your old house, and that's not your neighborhood. Hey, if you're gone. I'll leave him. I'm the last one left. I'm with you, bro. <laughs> All right, so that was the trailer for the last black man in San Francisco. It is essentially the story of a young man who is sort of like taking care of this house that has existed in his... He remembers living there as a child. Um, There is some family living in it, and he kind of comes by the house all the time, fixes it up and stuff like that. And uh, the house suddenly becomes vacant due to reasons, and he decides that he wants to try to just move in and squat in it. Um, And uh, it's sort of the story of him, the city of San Francisco, and his fondness and memory of the history of this house um steven miller what did you think of the last black man in san francisco
0: all right so as soon as the trailer for this movie dropped which i've never seen uh carson texted me and he said this is definitely the most steven movie of the year um and i don't think he was right in the sense that i would have expected it because this is not like on the nose emotional in the way that my brand usually yeah. is but i also think maybe he knows something i don't know because i like really loved this movie i was <laughs> i was super into this movie and it is it is not what you would expect when you read the synopsis and you think this is going to be an aching film about gentrification about complicated feelings of home this is going to be a movie about someone like trying to keep their place in the city when you think that you think this will be very directly emotional this is going to have lots of scenes of, like, big outbursts. Like, this is going to show, like, high highs and low lows. And this movie opts for a much more surreal, meditative feeling instead. Like, it, in a weird way, it kind of reminded me of Patterson in the idea that it takes, like, a regular place and just, like, heightens it up a couple notches and then lets you, like, soak in the poetry of the weirdness of the
1: life that you're living in. It, It is sort of like if you took Patterson and you only existed... In Patterson's head, without the context of his girlfriend, right? Yeah. Like she adds a different subtext in this film that this film is it, lacking is not the right word, but just right. foregoes altogether. To yeah, yeah. but I, now that you've said that, I can totally feel that.
0: Yeah, um, I, I was almost gonna compare it to a, a movie that just came out of Cannes, but I won't because that would be too pretentious. Uh, <laughs> any, anyway, I said
1: I'm just gonna reference that I could have done that.
0: There are things about this movie that are a lot of the the humor of this movie comes from pure composition, right? It's just, like, camera in a brightly lit outdoor place with main character Jimmy Fails and something happening next to him and us watching him react to the city that he lives in. And it has an almost, like, silent movie humor to it in that way where there's something just, like... It isn't, like, laugh-out-loud funny, but it's very endearing in the way that it tries to depict a city. Yeah, And I think over the course of the film, it really gets to a lot of complicated truths about the, the love-hate relationship you have with this place. I think this is definitely a movie about gentrification. It, it, it is clear what, quote, side that this film is on, not that I know many people who would come out on the, quote, other side. Um, <laughs> and, like, it definitely wants to tackle that head-on, like uh, their life down in Hunter's Point when you compare that to the life up in like the Fillmore and the the millionaires moving in there. There are lots of very keenly observed details. Like the moment, there's a moment when there is a a naked guy who sits on a bus stop next yeah. to Jimmy. And in a normal movie that is in San Francisco, that would be the punchline, right? That would be the end of it. Is <laughs> look at this naked dude, ha ha. But the real target of that scene is the cable car of <laughs> the bros, party bus, cable yeah, the, the car, the yeah. party bus of bros and lanyards. So they were clearly in for a conference who stop and start laughing at the naked guy, shouting, this guy fucks, this yeah. guy fucks. And that is like, fuck, you, you got it. Like, yeah, like yeah. you nailed the three very different things about this city.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, in addition to it, like, just that particular line's use in general, plus, like, I have seen that party trolley thing yeah. so many times and exactly was like, what the fuck are yeah, these like people taking, doing? Yeah,
0: like, taking the Silicon Valley thing and being like, Oh, I'm the fucking asshole who would have said that four years ago. Yeah. Um. It's just this movie is so specific. It is, like, blind spotting. It is completely obvious that this is made by people who like grew up here, who know this place intimately. And I think it it's like a really beautiful picture of the things that make San Francisco infuriating and beautiful and quirky and strange. Yeah. Um, the, the shots of the city, like, I'm not sure I've ever seen the city depicted in a movie with this much, like, specific feeling of a place. And, like, the thi- the aspects of the city that you would recognize from living here, like, not focusing on the Golden Gate Bridge, not focusing on Twin Peaks or Golden Gate Park, but focusing on, like, the billboards and particular corners and, like, yeah. the way the way the park that goes by the bay looks when you're driving by it. And there's just... There's something that I really loved that I don't know how it would translate to a national audience but for me I was just really really soaking it up and I think the the characters are really interesting too because much like the the film is very surreal and the acting style is also it, it's like tender in a different way like like characters especially uh, Montgomery the the best friend of Jimmy he's kind of off in his own world, right? And they're both enjoying this, like, creative playing in the streets of SF and playing in their new house that they live together, almost like kids, right, that are, like, reigniting their feelings. Yeah, Um, there's
1: this great scene where they're just running through this empty apartment, screaming at the top of their lungs, which is pretty amazing.
0: Yeah, and I I think, I don't know, there's just something very, very, like, complicated and loving about the way that this depicts the like the sadness of being shoved out of the place that you knew and the feeling that it's yours right that you deserve it at least as much as anyone else probably more and i think it the movie is really summed up in a line that i almost feel bad spoiling because it's toward the end of the movie but like it's definitely the thesis of the film which is, like, someone Thora Birch is hating on San Francisco, clearly as someone who moved here for a job, like, recently, and she's trashing, like, that it's dirty, that there's the people on the street. I forget exactly what she says, but it's something like that. And, like, Jimmy says, like, do you love it? You don't get to hate it unless you love it. Yeah. And I, I think that, like, that line just hit me so hard because that's such, like, I thought it was such a powerful summary of, like, the I'm not angry because I feel, like, I am owed something or I hate you or I hate the people that are coming in here. I'm angry because I love this thing and yeah. like seeing it taken away from me. I, I just thought that was like a really, really, really beautiful moment. And the, and the whole movie really builds toward that in a lovely way. So yeah, I, it was not at all the tone or the speed that I expected the movie to be, but I, I really, really loved it.
1: Yeah. I mean, Speaking of tone, this film is all over the map. Um, I, I don't know what I expected going into it. Um, I I am not a person who shies away from trailers. This was just not a trailer that was beat to death in front of me, and I just never saw it. And I was like, okay, well, I, I know I'm going to see this movie. I'm just going to go into it fresh, not as like a pur- purposeful mood, but just because I... I I'm gonna see it. <laughs> the trailer isn't gonna convince me to see it. I'm already going to see it. I just mm-hmm. didn't watch the trailer. So like when I went in, it was it was wild trying to grok what this film was doing and mm-hmm. try to figure out where it's trying to be. Um, because this film is very particular. It's almost strange at times what's going on. I found myself trying to figure out like there there is a group of guys that hang out near the yeah. original pad that both yeah, guys live the Greek at. Chorus. Of yeah. Street and shit talkers i i never understood those guys Mm -hmm. it wasn't until one of them is seen with the rest of them outside of that spot on the street that i was like okay so they do know them i thought it was just i at first i thought it was just like four guys on the street who they would always pass and sort of like knew of those guys standing on the street but didn't actually know them personally um and then there's moments later where the the friend who's like an aspiring director mm-hmm. <laughs> sort of goes and interacts with them. And I was like, is that what they've been doing the whole time? Or is that he just is so a, great? <laughs> it, no, it, it's great, but it's so confusing. I have no idea what's going on. Um,
0: I, I think I took them to be, the, I'll get into the other thing later, but Like on the surface at least, I took them to be the example of the feeling that like you maybe don't belong in either place, right? Like they're physically removed, and they're just a cluster of people who like they are no longer a part of their world anymore. Uh, That that was kind of how I imagined them. Yeah, yeah.
1: So I think with this film, it's I don't I don't even know how to put it to words, but it's either a film that I enjoyed more than I liked, or that I liked more than I enjoyed. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm not sure exactly which direction it goes. I, I enjoyed the beat-to-beat moments of this film, and I enjoyed following these characters as I went on. I'm not 100% sure what this film is doing at different times. And I, I think this is a very, like, obviously this is a very specific San Francisco film, but I really can't imagine seeing this film and really getting anything if I did not move up here, mm. right? Like, I feel... I'm trying to imagine, like, me having seen this, having stuck a, stuck in San Diego, and I would just been like, what the, what the hell did I watch? Like, mm-hmm. I have no idea what it's about. Part of that is because of where we go in the narrative, and part of that is just because of the strange relationships that different characters have um, to themselves and the other characters that they're interacting with over the course of the film. But yeah, I, I did find it very endearing. Um, I uh emotionally got me good <laughs> yeah. towards the end of the film um there's an event that a bunch of people go to and like f- for whatever reason that like hit me hard like i i teared it's up it's definitely and stuff. a swing for the fences and yeah. I-, I think
0: it it could have definitely fumbled it but i agree like that also worked for me really well yeah
1: too. it was just like th- this film does so many things and the acting at times can be playful but Even though there is like a a weird kind of. uh, It's sort of like hyper real, but there is so much authenticity in the lead's acting where it's like, even when he is being strange, like where everything feels just off kilter a little bit, like it's like an emotional Dutch angle, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, he still is just selling. Authenticity in his emotions and his feelings, and you really pick that up and you feel it. And I, I it's just, it's a weird movie. I am still like dealing yeah. with it. Um, but it is an interesting love letter to the city, and it is an interesting ride watching the film and kind of just taking in what it's trying to do. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I, I think I enjoyed it, <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. I think I was too I was confused by what it was trying to the balance it was trying to strike between its narrative and its feeling mm-hmm. and I'm still wrestling with it but I enjoyed every beat to beat moment of watching this film. Yeah.
0: Yeah, well and I think that makes sense too because this isn't a Like I'm, I'm sure it's cliche to compare it to Blind Spotting, but there's so much to compare, right? Yeah, this is a movie made by two longtime friends, one black and one white, who grew up together in a city in a kind of poor neighborhood and wanted to write a love hate letter to their hometown. Uh, So, like, it it, obviously there's a lot to compare there. Um, I think Blind Spotting, yeah. (laughs) If you took just the event. Uh In this movie that you referred to the kind of big emotional event where everyone is present and extended it to a full movie, it would be blind spotting basically because that is the part of the movie where themes are being very directly uttered by the characters, yeah, and you are having emotional moments they're they 're heightened by the like the dramatic reason for them being there, but it's still people directly looking at each other and saying, "This is how I feel um." I think Blind Spotting chose a very personal, emotional way to tell its story. And this movie is choosing it's still personal, but it's in a artistic way. It's like a, a personal idea that this is how I want to depict my city. And I think it chose a more a more challenging route that isn't as directly emotional. Like it didn't get me as hard as like the spoken word scene in Blind Spotting did or anything yeah. like that. I think I think it wants to be what it is, though. It wants to be a movie that kind of gnaws away at you and, like, it leaves you with images and feelings and then it, like, you can unpack it over days later. Um, and I respect that. I think, uh, especially as a debut film, that's, like, a, that's a bold choice. Uh, so I don't know if you looked up anything about this movie, but... Um, no. So Jimmy Fails is played by Jimmy Fails. Uh, it's his first time ever acting, and it's based on his life. So okay. the... The literal premise of the movie of what he does isn't true, but his family heritage and family story that all is true and he met the director like
1: all of it or the basic premise the basic the basic okay. premise
0: um and he met the he met the director Joe Talbot when he and his family lost their home in the Fillmore. And he had to move into public housing. Gotcha. Uh, and that's where he met his friend who was an aspiring director who I imagine is who the character of Montgomery is loosely based on at least. Um, and yeah, th- there's just a lot there that it seemed – I watch this movie and imagine the two leads being the ones who make the movie. And that kind of gives me this like closed loop of yeah. – There's the there's the quirkiness because that is exactly what they would do if they wanted to communicate this. right? Yeah. Um,
1: so th- my, my- – I'm going to ask you this as ambiguously as possible because I don't want to spoil anything for this film. But how do you reconcile that against like the last shot of this film?
0: <laughs> right. I, so I think this movie, it's surreal and wish fulfillment isn't the right word. But I think the movie takes the, the life of Jimmy Fails where he begins in the film as a launching point and then any future that happens is completely the movie just wanting to express like here's how i feel here's what i wish i could do yeah um yeah so that's how i would reconcile that okay Fair so one, so one one thing that i'm not smart enough to understand is so i called the friends the greek chorus uh because i've read from multiple sources that this is like based on the odyssey and it's supposed to be vaguely reminiscent of like odysseus's journey Combined with, like, I just finished Ulysses, too, which is also based on the Odyssey. And I have to just admit, I have no fucking idea what it means to be based on the Odyssey. <laughs> I, de- I definitely don't get, I don't see how this is an epic quest in that sense, except for just the most general idea of he wants to accomplish something, and he's going to try to do it.
1: So is the priest character the sirens? Or what? I don't know.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know who Cersei is in this movie. I don't know. I, I don't know anything. Um. But, but yeah, uh, I liked a lot of just the the shots of the city. Uh, like, we talked about the outdoor ones. There's a beautiful scene of him skateboarding down California Street that I yeah. think is just, like...
1: Which I, I couldn't help but go, there's never not been cars on that street. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I thought that, too. Like, you must have been able to close this block for a little bit. Yeah. Um, uh, I liked... Uh, th- there was a shot... So I watched this at Alamo. I think you probably did, too. Yeah, yeah. And it had to be intentional that there is a shot when they're talking with a kind of douchey real estate guy and out his window you are looking at that Alamo. So it was filmed like across the street. Um, yeah, It, it felt, it, it was almost so much that I was wondering like, did, did like Drafthouse like partner with this movie at all? Did they fund part of it? I don't think they did. If they did, that would be like Product placement in a kind of strange way,
1: um, <laughs> <but then laughs> only it, the people who are in the yeah because it's that only in showing. a clean
0: shot like you wouldn't know what it is unless yeah. you knew that you were sitting there. Uh, but I don't, there was just so much specificity to it that I really really enjoyed. Yeah, um, I think the the family moments between Montgomery and uh, uh, Danny Glover, his dad, I think, or maybe his grandfather. I, I don't. <laughs> I'm not sure the relationship. Yeah, yeah I, I don't really know. Uh, but I thought those were really lovely and tender. Yeah. Um, just the whole movie, it, it like. I keep coming back to Patterson because it's really, like, turning the dial down to, like, extra slow. (laughs) If
1: you replace the buses in Patterson with a skateboard, you have a (laughs) weird, bizarro version of this film.
0: Yeah, definitely. And and I think it's just – it's seeing the the poetry in everyday life. But in this case, it's also paired with clear, like, anger about – where he was and what he's had to live through and what he's like losing. And that there's a whole arc that we can't really go into without spoiling it about his friend Kofi and stuff that kind of it, that isn't directly about, it isn't about gentrification in the obvious sense, but it's about like displaced communities and like what happens to us in our lives and like what makes us grow in different ways than these happy go lucky people who are like living in this idyllic neighborhood. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I I thought it was really, really good. And I have no fucking idea how anyone who doesn't live here is going to think about it.
1: Yeah, yeah, it definitely seems. um, It seems a film made by people who made a film for themselves, right? And I think while there may be universal themes in it, it does ring as this, like, these these people wanted to make something and they made a thing that was for them. And, like, not that they don't care if anybody sees it the way they see it, but it is a very specific film in a lot of ways, which is um, both good and potentially bad, depending on who you are and <laughs> how you're watching this right. film. So I have to ask,
0: how much of your time watching the movie was spent trying to figure out where they shot different things?
1: Uh, so some of the places, even though I didn't recognize the – like, I – I knew the Hunter's Point stuff had to be in Hunter's Point just because I vaguely have – I know about the supposed, like, radiation shit. Um, uh, For me, the (laughs) – this is probably sad, but uh, my – there is a shot looking away from my favorite spot in the city, Mm -hmm. um, which I recognize from the bike rack. (laughs) It was, like, bike rack, the fence, the parking little structure across the street – and then the giant stop sign logo. And I was like, "Oh shit, that's right across from McKeller." <laughs> oh and, yeah, 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 and like I'm sure that says probably a bad thing. That like I recognize this spot for being That's where the homeless being, like... guy was singing, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's where he gives the skate. Yeah, he gives the skateboard to the guy. Like that's literally outside of the front door of McKellar. and I'm <laughs> like, "Oh, cool! My like most gentrified spot in the city <laughs> is the thing that like stuck out to me the most." Yeah. Um, but I yeah like it, there there's it is interesting kind of seeing all the places and even the places I'm not super familiar with because I don't go there constantly. I still recognize them. And it does feel like this place. Um, I, obviously, I didn't grow up here. I've only been here for a few years. I do love the city. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I've never been in the I hate the city. I've definitely been in the I hate traffic point of view or something sure. like that. But I, I love everything about this city that I've experienced. Um, and I'm very grateful to like be able to live, live up here. Sure. But yeah, it is... It is interesting. We have seen a lot of films over the last couple of years that are either set in San Francisco or involve San Francisco um, or television shows and whatnot. But this is the first one that like feels experientially like it knows this place and is yeah. not just set, set here. Which is kind of cool.
0: So. Yeah. So I would recommend if you haven't seen uh, Medicine for Melancholy yet. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's definitely the other touchstone that is like the very local San Francisco movie.
1: Yeah. I, they were they were playing clips from it and stuff oh, at nice. the Alamo before before yeah. it started. Um,
0: See, this is outing me as someone who showed up right when the movie started.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I I, I definitely want to take time and check that out
0: so i couldn't tell where his aunt lives they go, was she like in castro valley or something
1: so that yeah that was they take
0: a bart i think but then it looked like nowhere i've ever seen before
1: yeah i i wasn't sure at all where that is um so i mean it's on like just a street somewhere so there's like literally no context clues for where it is um but even that's even that scene was great just yeah. her and her boyfriend I us doing the skateboard tricks i don't know why that was so funny to me do the trick baby (laughs) so
0: so one other thing i'll say and again it's hard without giving away spoilers to the movie but when you when the movie opens and or you read the premise of the film it feels like it's going to be a very cut and dry economic like socio-economic justice movie right of like this is the thing that was taken from his family. He's going to fight to win it, win it back. That, you know, straightforward premise, right? And I think over the course of the film, especially toward the end, as different things are revealed, the movie intentionally gets a lot more complicated than that. Yeah. Like, like this is a movie that I think wants you to wrestle with the idea of ownership and who belongs where and what makes what makes me as an outsider coming in feel that I deserve a place or what makes me not deserve a place. Right. And I think it, I don't think this is a movie that is trying to give a clear answer to it. It's trying to like push really hard at the intractability of it all and say like, these are all the feelings at stake. I don't have any answer, but I love this city and it makes me hate it. (laughs) And I, I just thought that was a really, really interesting route to go. Like it, it doesn't settle for just like direct, like like explicitly driving a stake in the ground and saying like feel this way. End of story. It's a movie that really is trying to like make you turn things over in your head and wrestle with like how you feel about events, which I respect. I think that's that's a more bold choice to make.
1: Yeah, it is. It is kind of weird because I feel like that is. That is the elevator pitch that lets people program this film. Mm -hmm. But I feel like it's a very small subset of what the film is doing overall, right? Like, that's sort of, like, the driving force of the character. But his experience to the city is outside of just this one house. Like, the house exists more of, like, a Moby Dick sort of situation where it's, like, this is his white whale. That he is... All things are governed by his desire to hunt down this one thing Mm. and his narrative path is like winding and weaving over that. And he's always driven by that, but he's also experiencing this city and having these moment to moment things and doing his own thing with his friend and just sort of like having a mild existence of just like being with close personal friends and family and doing things like that. So there's, Mm. there's, it's like a dream that he's trying to attain, but he doesn't necessarily know why he's trying to attain it. Mm-hmm. Right. It's just like the thing that's there that he has to conquer. And I, I don't know. There's, that's part of the, why I was so confused. I think by the film is just like, and not necessarily in a bad way. Just I was, I thought I knew walking into it, what I was watching and what I was watching was something wildly different than yeah. that. And it's, I'm not sure what it's saying. Yeah. <laughs> I,
0: so I think the, you're right. The house is kind of the white whale. I do think it like heavily informs how he feels about the city and vice versa. Like I think the tone, the tone is someone who loves a place and also feels it like getting a bit more distant from him. Right. It's like he's watching it through like glass or something like that. And I think the him clinging to the home is kind of like clinging to your sense of belonging in a place. And I think, yeah, I don't know. It, it's hard without spoilers, and I don't know if I want to do a spoiler section for, for this, but it, it it's something where I think I think the house is, like, a literal thing, and it's also a metaphor for the feeling of belonging in a place and the feeling of, like, it being yours. Yeah. And it's, he, I don't think he leaves it open-ended in the sense that I don't think he's saying, hey, maybe gentrifiers are fine. Uh, yeah. like, like, I don't think that is an option, but I think he is definitely saying, like what is it about my life that makes me feel this is mine, right? Like, what makes a place mine versus yours? And I think it's just, like, prodding at that feeling of, like, what is the sum of things that makes me take ownership of a certain location? Um, Yeah, I don't know. It's interesting.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's – there's some complicated stuff, too, just about, like – and I'm working through this in my head in (laughs) in real time, so please forgive me. Um, But, like – even the backstory for how the house came to be involves being an outsider who mm-hmm. takes up stakes within a place that he doesn't necessarily belong. Like, the film is called The Last Black Man in San Francisco, and spoilers, it's tangentially related to the first black man yeah. in San Francisco, quote-unquote, right? Um, so, I mean, there, there's there's a lot of weird, complicated, like, thing.
0: Like the cyclic nature of displacement.
1: Yeah, of. yeah, yeah. So there, there's a lot that is happening in this film. And even the people who currently live in it at the time that this film starts are not upkeeping the place. They're letting it just go to shambles. So it's not exactly the height of trying to show off your wealth. Mm-hmm. It's people not appreciating the thing that they have, right? right? So there, there's, it's, it's doing a whole lot yeah. with a single piece of imagery, and it takes time to process all of that. Yeah. So... Yeah, I agree. <laughs> cool. Well, shall we get to verdicts for this film? Sure. All right, Stephen Miller, if you're going to give us a must-see, reckon with a caveat, wait for rental, pass with the caveat, or a must-avoid, what would you give it?
0: Uh, this is definitely a must-see for me. I think it's just it's a very targeted film that it it has a feeling it wants to convey, and I think it does just such a good job of committing to it. I think it's very moving, and it's moving in a very sneaky way where from scene to scene you won't really know why you're feeling what you're feeling. At least I didn't. If if you're looking for this to be a courtroom drama or this to be a big, like, (laughs) stand-up The the nature
1: of squatter's rights in California. Yeah, like, (laughs)
0: stand-up and cheer about squatter's rights. Like, this is not that movie. This is a movie that is about, like, hard-to-pin-down feelings of time and place, and I just think it's done in, like, a really, really beautiful, ingenious way. And, like, I'm really excited to watch this movie again when it comes out on streaming.
1: Yeah. Uh, I'm going to give it a record with a caveat. Um, I thought it was a very interesting film that I very much enjoyed beat to beat. Um, I'm still chewing over it. Um, I, I think the caveat is there hugely because I have no idea how how you watch this film with zero context for the city at all. Mm -hmm. Not even to say that I know the city well, because clearly I don't. I've only been here like four years. But I feel this is a very, very, very specific film. And even some of the things that are not expressly said, I only know in passing. Like Mm -hmm. even the Hunter's Point stuff, I don't even remember why I know that. Right. (laughs) It's like a joke somebody made in the office like two years ago. Mm -hmm. And I just happen to be like, oh, I get it. This is Hunter's Point. Um, so, I, I like, I, I just so much of this film is a acknowledgement of what this city is. And if you don't have a fondness or even a hate for the city, not everything in this film will connect to you. Um, you will get the underlying themes, maybe. Um, but I, this film is so much more than just its themes. And I don't know how you watch this film without having some of that feeling
0: <laughs> if it makes me feel better i'm gonna confess that for most of the movie i thought their original location was like the potrero projects just on the other side of potrero hill oh yeah, yeah. and it wasn't until i like went home and looked on google maps that i was like oh it's hunter's point of course gotcha <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: um but yeah so so i i mileage may vary For people watching this film, but it's doing a lot of interesting things and it's worth a watch. Um, And I think even if you're extremely (laughs) confused by the film and don't know what it's doing, it still has some humor and some emotional staying power at certain points in the film to make it a worthwhile watch. So. Cool. Um, well, that is the end of our review of The Last Black Man in San Francisco. Um, Stephen Miller, if people want to find you throughout the week, where can they do that?
0: Uh, people want to find me, they can go to the apartment right across from the <laughs> douchebag real estate agent's office. <laughs> um, or they can find me at twitter.com sdavidmiller or sdavidmiller.com.
1: Uh, people can find me at com or twitter.com slash christopherirl you can find the podcast over at thespoilerwarning.com where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show if you want to subscribe to the podcast you can do so in overcast stitcher apple podcasts or wherever podcasts are found if you want to know when the episodes go live you can follow us at twitter.com slash spoiler warning facebook.com slash the warning or instagram.com slash the warning um, if you want to get a hold of us directly you can send an email to fans at thespoilerwarning.com or you can use the contact form on our site Music for this episode will come from technically the sound, soundtrack is not, but we know one of the songs that was featured in the film, so that is playing. It will most definitely get our uh, video flagged on YouTube for <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> for uh, some sort of infringement. <laughs> um, but yes, we are enjoying that. We are enjoying you guys listening to us, yeah. and um,
0: feels good to be back.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's good to be back for the two weeks that we'll have normalcy, and then. Um, I will be gone for a little. Now, bit. are you going
0: to call me from Ireland? Um, I putting holding your feet to the fire right <laughs> here on the podcast.
1: Uh, we'll see what happens when I pack my bag for like the two weeks. I don't want to be there. Mm. <laughs> and, and there's somebody I have to run it by first. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, but yeah, we'll we'll uh, we'll see, we'll see. At the very least, I believe if we can schedule it, there will be a stand-in for me while I'm gone. Ooh.
0: Um. Oh, yeah, that's right. (laughs) (laughs) I forgot for a second.
1: (laughs) I like that it was a surprise for Stephen. We don't have to say it out loud because they haven't confirmed yet. Right. Um, But uh, there will probably be somebody standing in for a review of uh, Spider-Man Far From Home. Um, But, uh, yeah, then we'll be back after that. And then... I don't know what's coming out the rest of the time. I haven't been checking. (laughs) Who knows? (laughs) Uh, But yeah, thank you everybody for listening. We will see you next time.
0: Summertime
1: will be a love in there. That was good. Thank you, sir. What else you got?